I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome back special guest host Dan Phillips this week. And before we get on to Mid-South, you set yourself a bit of an interesting challenge during the month of April, um, which we touched on upon during your last appearance, but you've now completed every single WrestleMania from start to finish. Um, so question one is, have you recovered from the Boneyard match as of yet? <laughs> I mean, that is the match where I, I sort of, I normally wait to finish an event before I, before I uh, contact, contact you to discuss. And given that was just the end of part one, I, I had to just ring up and ask you, what have I just witnessed? Um, yeah, I think I'm recovered now. And actually, having seen the Cena element of it, um, I think that helped me enjoy the Boneyard match. I yeah, think because yeah. I personally thought that one was worse. Um, I know the reviews are mixed, but for me, I, I mean, I just didn't understand. It wasn't. Was it wasn't a wrestling um, match, as I said to you on the phone. I think it reminded me of like a, a friend who was a bit drunk. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but it's somewhat entertaining. But it wasn't. It wasn't a wrestling match. Yeah, no, it was a, t- it was a, well, they both were TV shows or, or, or film type um, matches, which is quite irritating. I mean, you go through sort of school and growing up, people going, oh, yeah, wrestling is not real. And you go, yeah, I know, but you know, it's a, it's a sporting contest contest. And then you watch that and sort of go, okay, that is, that is a TV show. Yeah. That's choreographed TV programming with, you know, special effects, etc. Um which was wasn't too dissimilar to the main event last night in the yeah. bank, which I have watched this morning. That's probably probably an opportune time to talk about that actually. So I I watched I watched uh, Bray Wyatt and um, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, which I thought was absolutely atrocious. Um, and I watched Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre kind of had one eye on that, and then I watched the whole of the Money in the Bank uh, match. What did you think of that um, that Money in the Bank? Um, so I must admit, at the start, I thought, oh, this is going to be quite interesting. I like the idea that, okay, so, you know, if they're going to do this match, then there wouldn't be a crowd there anyway. So you actually put the match in a place where there wouldn't be a crowd. Um, particularly the, men, the men's one, okay, starting in the gym, there's a lot of equipment around. So they can utilize different things and maybe make it a little interesting and do different things. Um, the thing that hit me first was, I don't understand why there wasn't commentary. Yeah, um, yeah. actually, that's a really good And one. that's the issue for me. There was no commentary, and they had a soundtrack in the background, which, again, on the bits where, you know, it, a bit of tension built up and someone's going to jump or do something, the music changed. And, mm-hmm. and again, it made it, it made it a TV drama um, as opposed to, you know, and it showed, oh, we know what's going to happen. I appreciate it's probably filmed, and then the track's added after. But... The point is you're not meant to know what's coming. So you don't want that build up in music for that's for promos, not for the real thing. Mm. Um, so I struggled with that. I didn't understand why is it King Corbin didn't want the uh, female to win. Yeah. And yeah. Try to pull her down. I yeah. didn't really understand that because then I was watching thinking just like, just to clarify, I don't watch it every week. So obviously I just watched all the WrestleManias and then I thought, cause I signed up to the network in order to, to do that. I watched this one. So I was thinking there was some sort of, oh, is there only one? I, I just didn't know, really understand that. <laughs> um, obviously done a little bit of a social media thing uh, since um, and didn't realise that the sort of pretend throwing off the roof um, uh, sort of seems to be one of the biggest 
talking points. Um, I mean, I personally thought that when they zoomed in from high up, you could see that there was a multiple sort of levels. Yeah. Yeah. So I never really thought anything of that. But obviously, I guess you're meant to think that they threw them off the roof. Yeah, so we expected um, to think that those, what was what? it? It was Ray and um, Alistair Black are dead now. I presume that's... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I read things like that could be Mysterio's last match or and then Alistair Black might do an angle where he comes back from the dead or something. Oh God, that um, again, no, just just like again, like it's a TV show, not not wrestling. I mean, they, they were. Um, I didn't. I haven't watched any of the Raws in in build up to this, but they, as part of their um, promos for for, the, for this event, they were all talking about how it, it, you know, it was worth the risk of being thrown off this building to potentially win the Money in the Bank, which I don't actually think it is worth dying for uh, <laughs> at the WWE Championship. But um, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I just thought it was a bit silly. I actually thought I was going to hate it. Um, and I found it somewhat entertaining, but it was very silly. Yeah. It wasn't wrestling. And that's the thing. No, again, I found it entertaining because it was like a TV show. So it was mm. entertaining. Um, it had that sort of element of sort of like behind the scenes. Mm. Um, I like that as well. Like seeing Vince McMahon's office and seeing the building and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, so I think that helped. Um, but again, I mean, you know, as, as you said at the start, I've come off the back of watching... 36 WrestleManias and 36 WrestleMania 36 and Money in the Bank last night were not wrestling shows like one to five, uh, one to 35 on WrestleMania at all. No. They were, you know, events. This was, it's like watching a TV show now, um, which is a shame, really. But again, it, you know, you can't say it's difficult to judge too much because there's no crowd there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Particularly if you've not watched it, like, you know, I don't watch it week in, week out. Um, it's hard to, without the crowd, particularly if you're just watching every so often, it's, uh, the crowd had that element of like, you know, even like the cheering and the booing and, the, you know, un you understanding a bit more what's going on just from reaction. And the commentators are very difficult because they make sort of what is sometimes quite basic moves. They're screaming, you know, at the top yeah. of their lungs, um, and you're a bit like, mm, that's... but again, you can't gauge because of the crowd. So, it's, I don't want to be too harsh on it. And, uh, I, and yeah. I did like the concept that they, that climbing up the building. They've tried to change it. I like that. You know, they put it in a venue where there wouldn't be a crowd, um, and it was entertaining. But it's just not, you know, as as I as I think about what we're going to discuss today, and sort of particularly say WrestleMania is one and ten couldn't be any further from. No, exactly. From the early WrestleManias. I, I don't really know. I, th I think AEW, just to, just to close off on Empty Arena Wrestling, um, I think AEW so far have done a better job with this overall in terms of having some crowd out there um, in terms of the wrestlers and actually some atmosphere. But actually, I don't really know what the answer is to this. And I'm not sure there is one. I don't think there's a magic wand that anyone can wave and it just be all of a sudden that these shows are insane. I think you, if you keep, uh, AEW did all right in the ratings last week, but WWE is getting like just like the w the worst rating of Raw in history was like a week or so ago, and I, right. I I don't really know what the answer is. They can't cancel it because they'll they 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 need the money from the TV contracts. Even though WWE in a bit of different situation to AEW, they've got to carry on. But empty arena wrestling is really 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 tough watch. I watched the UFC over the weekend, um, and I thought that worked somewhat better in an empty arena. 
but only when the fights were good. When the fights were boring, it was, you know what it's like watching boxing or, or bad cage fight yeah. or whatever. It's really, really dull, but at least you got, you got to, the crowd might be booing or there's something going on or whatever. But this was, it was quite yeah. depressing. I think, and I think that football will be like that as well. Did you watch any of that K-League game that was on the other day? <laughs> I, I watched some of it until yeah. the opening goal scorer was 41. Yes, years yeah, old, yeah. and I wondered whether the standard would be something worth spending no. my life, uh, minutes of my life on. It's like all these, all these empty arena sports we've had so far. It's like you're really looking forward to it. Like, oh my god, yes, and football, football. You watch like ten minutes, and you just think, oh god, I'm so depressed after watching this. It's just so yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's move away from that and let's move on to some a time before coronavirus where wrestling actually had crowds. So we're just going to be a bit of a free format today and just talk about some of the stuff from from the WrestleManias that you've you've watched. Um, so yeah, Dan, over to you really in terms of um, sort of first bit you want to talk about really. Yeah, so I mean, for, for me, I, I sort of, when I was watching them, I, I sort of split it in my own mind to 1 to 10, 20, you know, 11 to 20, 21 to 21 plus really. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting. So I think 1 to 10, um, sort of to me, are very separate from the rest and um, maybe could include 11 into that maybe um and so i was look at things about earlier on like you know i don't want to go through each one one by one so sort of what sort of things to to focus on i thought i'd sort of focus on my sort of my particular favorite may not yeah. be everyone's favorite or whatever everyone thinks the best but wrestler of that sort of decade mm. um so i mean one to ten there's nowhere else you can really go uh other than hulk hogan in my opinion uh now, I know you may differ, and I'll, I'll come to that, actually come to that. But, um, I mean, for me, you know, he's in he's in one to nine. He He's just the, I mean, he's the, he's the, my first favourite wrestler. I, um, I was dressed like him on my stag do. <laughs> um, you know, he, he just, it, it's just that, that the whole aura about him. Um, and he just... He, he actually, to me as well, when you watch it, he's a fan favourite. He does also come across quite arrogant. Yeah, um, yeah. And dirty tricks. Yeah, well, and, Hogan loved the dirty trick in some of these matches. Yeah, and I think I think people yeah. liked it. And mm. um, and actually, there's a couple of things I've I've thought of interest. Like, so since watching them all, I've, I've also had a little look at what people's views were of certain things. WrestleMania one to me, it's the first one, so it's got its own, you know, iconic status. I don't know if it was the best WrestleMania ever, like, you know, but it had its own thing. I actually quite liked the steel cage match. Um, but when I read things, it gets quite panned. Oh, but but with Bundy, Bundy at WrestleMania too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually quite liked it. Um, I don't know whether, you know, looking at it now, people might go, oh, it's rubbish. But I would assume at the time it was fairly, well, steel cage. Um, I don't know, but I quite I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, obviously, free is was uh, he was uh, you know iconic in 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 that one uh, with the slam on Andre the Giant, and then you've sort of got your the ones where he's involved with either Macho Man or Ultimate Warrior, and um, I think there that's where you've got real good storylines, and that actually brings me on to Hogan might be my favourite, but there's two wrestlers. What when I've gone back. I never either, I either didn't really like or didn't really have an opinion and I've completely changed. And one I've massively changed is I didn't really have an opinion on Randy Savage, but mm. I will, I, I've watched back some of his matches now. I've watched the documentary on him on the network. 
Um, I know you're a big fan, but he was him and Hogan. That was just absolute. That was excellent. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed that. Actually, in fact, that you know Hogan was pretty much involved in the main event at all times, um, even when he wasn't in it. Uh, but you had a couple of times where I think Matchman sort of stole the show from him. I thought it was really noticeable when it was probably more noticeable to me, Savage not competing in WrestleMania 9 than Hogan not being in 10. Okay, um, Maybe because yeah. he was sitting yeah. there watching. Maybe because yeah. he's sitting there watching and I was a bit wondering, why is, why is, he, why is he not involved? Um, but yeah, Savage and, and the whole... Miss Elizabeth thing, and then Hogan mm. getting involved in that. I just think that that it, WrestleMania one to ten, you know, very what well, one to nine, obviously very Hogan focused. But Savage certainly had his his, his times where he either stole the show or 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 certainly uh, sh- shared the show. Um, uh, your thoughts? Because I know you, you know, you're a big Savage fan, but yeah, I, I actually don't know what your opinion is of Hogan, to be honest. I mean, I think. I think in terms of um, the WrestleManias, I think that um, when I remember watching these back probably for the first time, um, probably early 90s, I got these for, for the first time. But I, I always felt that WrestleMania 1 and 2 felt quite a bit older than WrestleMania 3. Like I, I completely agree with you about the, the first sort of 10 or 11 is like that first era, then it really changes. But 1 and 2, just the, the darkness of the arenas, just maybe a little bit on production, then all of a sudden you, you start WrestleMania 3 in this like beautiful, bright uh, silver dome. And all of a sudden it's just like, this, is, this, this place is just un- incredible. I think in terms of Hogan, uh, I don't know what, I wish I could remember that Bundy match. I, I barely, very, very vaguely remember it. But I remember Hogan back then was, it was quite a good, it's quite a good wrestler. I've seen, I've seen some of his Japan stuff um, from around this time and later where he really puts on, you know, quite physical matches. And he, he could go. He's quite under, un, underrated in terms of in-ring. Um, I thought his match with Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 is about as good. Andre had severe back problems going to that. Like, you know, career-ending, um, I don't want to say life-threatening, but the guy was only around for another, what, six years. So, I mean, he, he was in bad shape by, by 1987, and he got a, a pretty um, passable match out of him. Um, and that did really big business between pay-per-view, which was really in his advancy um, at that time for WrestleMania 3. So it was probably just under 900,000 combined with closed-circuit TV and pay-per-view for that one. Um, and moving forward to the, the, the Savage Hogan storyline. So, so Hogan basically took some time away in the summer of 89 to film, sorry, 88 to film No Holds Barred, um, which, which came out on, in the cinema stuff the following year. And that's the reason why the title was moved basically to Brandy Savage. But that, that WrestleMania 5 did 767,000 buys um, on pay-per-view. And it was the most bought WrestleMania until WrestleMania 15, 10 years after that. So that, just completely yeah. capture people's imagination and actually there's a lot I've, I've heard Dave Meltz talk about this recently um, around how he felt actually they should have found a way to keep the title on Randy Savage and kept that feud going in the form of Savage the champion because he was doing so well at the box office um, but yeah Wrestlemania 6 again talking about Hogan that's a classic of him and Ultimate Warrior I mean Warrior was a, was a fairly limited worker but he had just phenomenal classics at six and seven um and to give the guys due he, he, you know you couldn't really ask for more than him in, in either of those two matches so i think hogan in terms of you can't really whatever you want to say whether it's wrestler or overall star he is the he is the star of the first 10 wrestlemanias and without him you know wrestlemania one isn't isn't a success really the the, the, yeah. the, the three people in that first wrestlemania orndorff was somewhat important and orndorff did great business with hulk hogan 
afterwards um, after that and after WrestleMania 2, I believe, um, as well. And they had a big stadium showing Toronto that did huge numbers. But really, Mr. T, Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan were so important for that first WrestleMania. And without those three, Mr. T was obviously a massive star on TV then. It doesn't work, basically. But yeah, I yeah. would agree with that. I think Hogan is, is the man for the first 10 WrestleManias, definitely, or first nine. Yeah, I mean, with the Warrior thing as well, that I literally something I only, I watched the Ultimate Warrior documentary mm. um, network, and it's quite interesting to see that. Um, see, he, he takes it from him on in, on six, and then he sort of sounds like forced to give it up for seven because they wanted to do the Slaughter Hogan uh, angle. Which well, I think he wasn't drawing his. It's quite an uncomfortable. It's quite yeah. an uncomfortable angle. Uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. The match. And then actually what the documentary ends up showing is obviously that, that Warrior and Hogan end up falling out um, mm. with Hogan um, sort of testifying against him in court. And ultimately, it's a bit of a sad ended documentary because I think he gets inducted to the Hall of Fame and then dies 24 hours later. Yeah. But it certainly seems in the documentary like he makes up with everyone. Yes. Um, so you've got that stuff going on in the background. Um, I guess the other thing that I sort of thought was a bit strange um, in the first 10 was certainly number nine at Caesars Palace mm. and strange one. And again, to me, I, I, this might not have been the case, but it's just struck me that Hogan winning it was a, it was a case of, you know, the owner of Caesars Palace and a bit like, I think you've got the, the, the ones happen now in, in Dubai or wherever it may be. And oh, Saudi Arabia the shows. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. stars to win. I, again, I have no, I have no evidence for this, but just Hogan all of a sudden winning in like whatever it's twenty-two seconds struck me that the owner of Caesar's Palace was like, "You can have it here, but he has to, he has to win the title or something like that." It just seemed a bit bizarre um, yeah. that ending, and it was a bit of a shame really because obviously that was his last one for for a while. So it was a bit like, oh, he's ended. Like for me again, watching, I knew watching the WrestleMania is like. Mm. That's his signing off, is it? Winning it like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's such it a, have had its own politics. There's such a weird departure around that because you made the point that Randy Savage wasn't on this WrestleMania either. Randy Savage was 41, uh, 41 or 42 going into WrestleMania nine, which which actually now, um, I mean, AJ Styles in WWE, I think he's he's a little bit older than that. Obviously, you've got Brock Lesnar around that age. Bill Goldberg's much older than that. He's just been champion recently. So actually, back then, Vince McMahon was on a real younger younger men drive. I think Hogan was forty one. Um, he's actually like, well, actually, I don't. I've kind of Hogan originally left after WrestleMania eight because a lot a lot of um, scandal about the steroid trial that was coming up, um, which Vince McMahon ultimately wasn't wasn't prosecuted for. Oh, sorry, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't found guilty for, I should say, rather than prosecuted. He was prosecuted. Um, but this WrestleMania was just bizarre. He, he, he went, there was a flipping of the titles in 92 where Savage was having it. He wasn't drawing well on top. They got it to Flair to get it to Bret Hart. Um, and then it, it didn't really work, but it wasn't really Bret. Bret and Sean, who were kind of perennial champions in the mid-90s, um, they just happened to be champions where the business was just down. There wasn't a big, there wasn't, neither of them really hit it to any level like, Really, the biggest three, three or four in wrestling in WWE history are Hogan, Austin, Rock, and Cena. Really, are the big four. Yeah. Um, and Hart and Michaels didn't catch on even, even to the level of Cena. But that that WrestleMania was bizarre. So you had this youth movement where Bret Hart was champion. Um, and then, as you say, it went back to Hogan. I don't, and I think Vince was just like 
he just he just thought this is the last throw of the dice for Hulk Hogan. But what they what he wanted to happen that didn't end up happening is Vince wanted Hogan to drop the title to Bret Hart of that year's SummerSlam, and that was basically going to be it for Hogan. Um, but Hogan refused to do it. He ended up dropping it to Yokozuna at King of the Ring a couple of months after this, and that was it. That was it. that was him done. Yeah. He, he wasn't back again until um, so what was it? He came back at the February two thousand and two pay per view. Um, so that was what nine years after this, um, and then he wrestled at WrestleMania 18, as I'm sure we'll touch on a little yeah. bit later on. Yeah, um, so that was you know again, but he for me he was the man from the early ones and the old um, hulking up, I guess is the word for it. When yes. you know, the chips are down and it's it's actually quite amusing and to some people probably quite frustrating um, that someone can be beaten up like that go mad for two minutes and then win, but <laughs> I liked it. Um, and, and I guess the only other thing for me I was going to just mention is that what I've also thought about is for no reason, people that completely irritated me over the first, over in different stages. Okay. And yeah, one yeah. that I've never really, never got at the time. And now I've what I thought I'm going to watch these WrestleManias. So I'm going to change my mind. And I haven't is a uh, Roddy Piper. I just, I, oh, really? I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> and, and, and and I thought, I need to back myself. I can't be making big claims like this against the Hall of Famer. So I went through his sort of matches because he's in he's in all WrestleMania 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 10, I think. Um, but again, his matches. So number one, he's you know, Hogan and Mr. T. So mm. I think that's a sort of a gimmick match in itself. Number two, he's against Mixer T. It's a gimmick match, really. And a dreadful then boxing a heavy, match. Yeah. Then he's in a heavy hair match. Then he's just in number five. He's just got Piper's pit. Then number six, he decides to half black uh, himself up, I guess. I don't know what the correct terminology is there. Um, number seven, he just accompanies Virgil. Then number yeah, eight, yeah, he, yeah, he has what I would say his first proper match in WrestleMania, mm. which is when he loses to Bret Hart. Uh, and number 10 is a guest ref yeah so again I, I appreciate i am literally judging the whole of his career on his wrestlemania uh appearances but i always remember watching it sort of when i was you know, a bit past this and people saying he you know the wrestlemania would come and they would say he's a wrestlemania legend and stuff and i used to think who is this guy and and I'm I, I still feel I've justified myself actually by you know just a very gimmicky fellow. I ne- I don't remember really think seeing him do anything that appeased me. However, I'm sure maybe at Summer Slams or King of the Rings or survives he did things. But and maybe because as well, I, he's, I mean, is he actually Scottish? I'm guessing not. I don't. Uh, know. No, I think he's, I think he's <laughs> Canadian. Maybe that irritates yeah, me as yeah. well. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just a very novelty act, and I just never really. When I was watching the ones and he would come on, I would be very like, oh, here we go. Who was he? And I'm sure we've all got wrestlers or when they turn up, your sort of heart drops. Like, oh, mm. here we go. And he was that for me. Um, yeah, no, I think that's I a reasonable point. Yeah. No, I think that's a completely fair point. The th- thing with Piper is that Piper's prime in-ring time is probably before WrestleMania 1 actually happened. So he was he had a huge feud with Hogan leading into WrestleMania 1, which was they had a couple of I think it was I think it was two MTV specials, um, which were a big deal actually. So live WF from Madison Square Garden. I think it was a Sunday afternoon show, the, the war to settle the score, which led into WrestleMania 1, the good ratings on a, the fledgling cable network. Um, but Piper really was a star in like the late 70s, early 80s. And and he was um 
people compare MJF with Piper. Um, Piper was a promo guy, ultra offensive, push all the buttons, like you're touching about the WrestleMania 6 stuff. Um, he, he, he would push the buttons to get people, and he was perennial heel. And actually, he turned babyface in that rest, after that WrestleMania 2 match because he's such a good bad guy. And this does happen from time to time. People are such good bad guys. Actually, in the end, the crowd starts, crowd starts cheering them. And that's, that's how he became a, you know, how he became a, a, a good guy, basic character. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. A WrestleMania 8 match with Bret Hart is a classic, but then you're in yeah. there with Bret Hart. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like he... Uh, but then I think the thing with Piper is that a lot of people our sort of age will think of Piper especially UK fans well because people don't really realize that you weren't exposed to a lot of this a lot of the matches I'm watching now no. you just didn't see any of this stuff you had WWF and a bit of WCW but we never a WCW pay-per-view never aired on a UK television channel in this country and that, that that is probably nuts for people to actually think that but it never happened you could get if you had Sky in the, in the late 90s you might be able to get it on the German channel most people didn't have that people had you know different systems whatever but people are kind of a little bit put off by Piper's in-ring stuff because of the comebacks and the things he did later in his career so yeah I don't think he, the Wrestlemania years are necessarily prime Piper but he was very yeah. influential in the first one yeah so anyway so yeah as a as a disclaimer i apologize to anyone that no <laughs> you don't need to apologize uh, <laughs> it's all opinions it's rest is subjective isn't it so it's all opinion um, i guess and then you sort of so then if we move to like 11 11 to 20 say i've said this before to you 11 to 14 to me is the changing of the guard yep sees the uh the 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 old school the original old school, I guess, uh, out. Uh, you've got, you know, Austin arriving in 12 uh, with Ted DiBiase. Uh, I think you've got The Rock arriving in 13, maybe, I think Yes, that's right, yep. Um, so, it, you know, they start to... Oh, Triple H as well arrives at 12. Um, Doesn't have a nice time at 12 either, does he, against the Ultimate Warrior? No, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So it's very... It's very they're all just sort of in, and then actually, it's very interesting that sort of they ar- they arrive, and like you say, you know, Triple H turns up as a squash match, but then doesn't take ve- he literally by fourteen he's in he's in uh, he's in the main event, um, you know what he's featured in there, you know, so it's you can see that they had potential, and obviously they were earmarked to go far, uh, Triple H, Austin, and The Rock, um, and I mean, there's no doubt that. Vince called that exactly right because as a, as a free, you know, probably changed the changed the game and changed the outlook. Oh, excuse the pun, changed the game. Um, but with, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, Austin would probably be my my man of the next ten years. Uh, tough call with a rock. So I was a big rock fan, and mm-hmm. actually, I was probably I probably I think I preferred the rock to Austin. But what I what I did sort of um, again going back and looking, Rock's WrestleMania record wasn't great. Um, in terms of win loss, the WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I'm looking here, you know, Austin's beating him. Um, obviously, I think he deliberately come back to try and. I mean, I've got, I've got here that Austin's first WrestleMania loss was 19, which was the third time he faced The Rock against um, The Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the first time he lost. Yeah. Uh, so I did, you know, but Austin, you know, I think the the Bret Hart submission match, which I see I watched recently brilliant um that sort of to me that's it that was his arrival then in 14 you had the uh bit like I, I, again i watched another documentary that's sort of the true the true story of wrestlemania and mm. it had a whole thing around linking wrestlemania to the entertainment industry and 14 with tyson 
yes. was a real like nod back to that time. And it, I thought that worked really, really well because I think it could be quite when you had Mayweather, big show, it can be, which by the way, I thought of up was entertaining, but quite cliche. Yeah. You know that there's going to be a punch by the boxer. Um, but actually, you know, Tyson's punch came after the fight, didn't affect the the match. Um, his punch. Um, I mean, that's so that ty- I like that. that. Just, just to touch on that Tyson thing. Yeah. I mean, that Tyson thing. WWF. I think they were doing. They were already doing really, really good television. So basically, for me, I got back into WWF big time. I, I in the summer of '97, which was the Hart Foundation feud with Steve Austin and the other Americans and the Canada and, and USA thing. And they, and Raw was a really strong show for most of the end of '97, uh, with Steve Austin sort of riding the wave through to WrestleMania. But that Tyson stuff. I mean, that that Mike Tyson thing. It's, it's impossible to sort of overstate how big that was. I remember going into school the next day and that Tyson Austin thing was on Big Breakfast on a Tuesday morning before Raw even aired here. Raw was yeah. on Friday night here and people were talking about that. I missed it, gutted, because I'm, I'm like the, the boffin geek wrestling fan and I'd missed this thing. But everyone was talking about it and that was, you know, if that was on the on the Big Breakfast, you think of the, the coverage that would have got in America. I remember that was in, I think I still got it in my mum's house. That was in the Daily Mail and like the, the Telegraph and stuff the, the days after WrestleMania reporting on Tyson. Tyson was a huge, I mean, I'm not sure... What what the equivalent of that would be now it's a slightly no. different media landscape but um i don't know who could, i mean i can't i can't think of someone that yeah I, I, I mean he was just a celebrity on a completely different level wasn't he really yeah i mean it was it, you could tell it was a big event even watching it back yeah um, sometimes it's hard to gauge but yeah you could tell um i thought it was really like you know really well done um then he had these battles with the rock and you know that him and the rock just clashing it's just i I mean that's what i remember growing up with that's what i just remember thinking that was that was it that was like that it's not going to get any better than this um i've actually been i've been thinking about what match did i not see through these wrestlemanias that i would have liked to have seen because obviously Mm. i think that would have been one if it never happened i'd have been like ah that's when you'll say the only one I could really think of and I, i think it it happened at other events but if there was a undertaker hogan uh match at wrestlemania that would have been massive um but obviously they maybe that was deliberate and i'm talking when they were both you know you've got the young taker against the hogan that still got it not you know but going on to going on to that hogan come back at 18 and stole the show um, yes yeah with the rock and even when i was watching it back I was thinking, I remember this, but I can't, I couldn't, like, I couldn't quite remember all of it. And by the end, I was fully engrossed. And I, and I remember being exactly like that at the time. Um, and yeah, I think that's what The Rock done um, really well. And that's probably, you know, when I say, you know, his record at WrestleMania wasn't great, most people probably wouldn't think that because the way he is, you just assume, oh, he just won all the time. But actually, the big sort of pops that he got with the audience was sort of, from what I could see, later on when he sort of made an appearance, mm. um, as opposed to when he was fighting in his prime. Um, I mean, you know, Austin, I think people think, like, I was having a look at this earlier on, actually. Austin's sort of like synonymous with WrestleMania, I think, from from his debut at 12 onwards. He only actually fought seven times. Mm. Um, yeah, he was a very shortened career, Austin. Yeah, and, and, and then... then t- I think all of them, or maybe all of them, were were in this little spell I'm discussing now. Um, 
which is mad really because actually he just keeps popping up um but again that goes back to what i'll touch on later bringing people back but um that, just to touch on that WrestleMania 18 match with The Rock and Hogan, the, the thing that The Rock did so well in that match that a lot of wrestlers wouldn't have had the confidence to do is that The Rock went out. So Vincent Mann, you know, he apparently was once a genius, but he's been head of promoter of a company that's pretty much mi- missed most things in the last 20 years now. And this, he thought, going in Toronto, a big city for Hulk Hogan, where they, where you had Hulk Hogan and Warrior, and Hogan was the who lost, and he was the sympathetic sympathetic figure, and everyone was looking at him leaving the ring rather than the new champion, and the sellout with Orndorff and all that stuff. He thought going into that event that Hogan wouldn't get cheered in Toronto. Toronto also a place they used they used to always cheer for the bad guys or do the do the things that they weren't supposed to do. But the Rock in that match had the confidence to heal it up in that match and just let the crowd be, and that was just like he that was just a lot of wrestlers wouldn't have had the confidence. They'd be like they, they'd have had thrown a bit of a hissy fit. In terms of you know i don't like this what's going on why are people not cheering me but that was perfection the way they did that match i remember just being in skydome and i looked i sat i mentioned this before my friend oh, i was with is was a big rock fan and literally that's quite a big building skydome it's like sixty seven thousand people and i looked i was right on the floor right at the back so we had particularly good seats i remember turning around and looking up and literally from the from the back of the, of the floor right up to the top of the arena everyone was going absolutely nuts and I turned to my right and looked to my mate Lewis and like his eyes were wide and it's like it was in that yeah. moment wrestling was real and his favourite was yeah. about to get beaten up by Hulk Hogan and that was it yeah. <laughs> and they just they just they absolutely nailed it that night it's just a shame the rest of the card was so poor really but yeah, yeah. that's just one of those things we'll say Austin had Scott Hall it was yeah. not, you know, nondescript uh, they should have done Austin and Triple H in the main event of that one but uh, yeah. yeah yeah so I mean yeah I mean that was that was great and yeah as you said the the crowd sort of you know Hogan walking in and by the end it was just all Hogan yeah um, and it just felt you know, even rewatching, just amazing. Um, I thought all it missed was his old music coming back on. Um, yes, actually, yeah. but actually interesting that, that that one really struck me how the audience um, reacted or crouched. I say reacted, um, and actually Austin special reference twen- uh, at twenty mm. was an absolute save because that was one of the strangest matches I've seen. Really, because you know you had the fans hated both Goldberg and Lesnar. And if it wasn't for Austin, I mean, I, I mean, if that was just a normal ref in that ring with two big and then two big stars, would have just probably been booed out. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yep. It was, and yeah. Originally, I'm watching and thinking, why is Austin refing this? What's the point? And then I sort of, oh, this is why he's refing it. Okay, <laughs> But again, I don't know if Vince expected that reaction for both because um, uh, it would it would surprise like if he. I don't know whether it was genius to think that they're both going to get bad reactions to put them in the same match and whack Austin in and then you've got this whole, a real mixed dynamic. Um, Or he didn't realise that and thought, I don't know, maybe try and get the fans to like one of them over the other and maybe there's still hope. I don't don't know. I mean, Uh, from what I've seen from the rest of, rest of, yeah, from 20 onwards, if he was going to want anyone to, the fans like anyone, it'd be Lesnar because it seems seemingly he's he favors this guy. And I'll uh, come on to my views on, on him, but <laughs> um, the, the thing with this one is that, um, so the original this this Lesnar Goldberg thing had been teased since November the previous year at Survivor Series, um, and 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 I think even probably by that stage, 
the likely outcome was going to be Lesnar beats Goldberg and that's it for Bill Goldberg and he's gone because the, the Goldberg and WWE just didn't really click. He was briefly world champion. It didn't really work. Lots of reasons. They were trying to put Goldberg into longer matches. Funnily enough, Goldberg's second run with the company was far better in terms of he was, it was just, you know, don't try and put him out there for 20 minutes. He doesn't need to. And, but actually, I think the Lesnar thing erupted probably about three weeks before WrestleMania. Um, and actually, it, it, was, it was real um, indictment of the power of the internet at the time because I, everyone knew about it. Like the whole, I mean, you, you probably, you've got some diehards going to WrestleMania for expensive, WrestleMania in New York, expensive seats, WrestleMania 20, et cetera. So most people are diehard fans in there and everyone knew about it. And if anyone didn't, they knew about it within a couple of minutes and they booed the hell out of both these guys. You sold out, all that sort of stuff. And you're right, if Austin wasn't in there, I mean, it, it was quite, you know what? It was quite a spectacle to watch live because it was just like, I've never experienced this sort yeah. of thing before or since um, maybe a little bit but not so vociferous was the Roman Reigns Lesnar 2 at uh, what was that 33 yeah, in nice uh, New Orleans yeah, yeah. Um, no 34 sorry 34 not 33, 33. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah just a bizarre night in Madison Square Garden um, yeah that is a and that's just an odd Wrestlemania thinking back on it now with the with the, with the, um, the Benoit stuff and the closing thing with Eddie Guerrero it's just it's just, it's just in yeah. such a life highlight to to be in there to now I can't even really what if I if I I've got a Benoit match coming up on this Dave Meltzer thing I've got uh, I'm what I'm doing and I'm like Ugh, I will watch it but I don't I wouldn't I couldn't sit down and watch like a DVD of yeah. Chris Benoit's greatest match it just turns my stomach a bit yeah no it is and and you know that's that WrestleMania when it finishes that's what it's all about really that's their sort of mecca of matches you know that's there we've done it um, yeah exactly yeah exactly and yeah you're right it's a little uh yeah, it's a little stomach turning i mean so yeah for me austin i mean actually i said austin rock um triple h is a weird one he's, he's in a lot of matches um sort of a lot of wrestlemania matches a lot of main events but for me when i was just thinking i do you know i've got i wrote some names down straight come to my head and he didn't and mm. you know nothing against him at all but you know particularly like if i think about royal rumble i think of royal rumble 2000 yeah i think of him but wrestlemania actually there was there, i don't know what it was it was just there was nothing that maybe bar, bar the matches with the undertaker which obviously 11 sort of 11 onwards you, you then start in your the streak um which i think the early ones are fairly fairly dramatic because he's new and he's got you know the old school sort of purple black and purple but I think when you get into 21 to 30 that's when you get that's when you get the the, the undertaker that yeah. you know people people remember um and he certainly for me for 21 to 30 would be my my one for that section I think some people may say Shawn Michaels um mm. and he's one that obviously because he's known as Mr. WrestleMania, right? And I always remember thinking, he's known as Mr. WrestleMania and he's a bit, to me, someone I've never really sort of took to. Um, I was more of a Bret Hart guy. Um, but actually, you watch his matches and you go, yeah, okay, hang on, yeah. this guy, this guy's good. And I tell you, also what's quite good about him is that he lost a few. And yes. I think there's something about that that makes you go, they're going into a match and, and you fit, and knowing that they could lose does add an element. Um, so even with when I was watching this back, obviously I knew the Undertaker didn't lose some of these. So 
it, it is different. Didn't have yeah. as big an effect yeah. on me, but as it would, I think it would yeah. have. Um, and but I would still say that maybe when he was on about fifteen people, you know, once he got past fifteen, I would suspect you would have known he was getting to twenty. And uh, you know, once you get to eleven, you'd have known he's getting to fifteen. There's, you know, tw- twenty would have been the one that I suspect people might have gone like, no, this could be it. Mm. You know, I don't think there's any coincidence that it ended at 21. Um, he had some, you know, I, I thought what I don't know. I'm not normally really a fan of when you know they have a great match. I don't like this in boxing, like very, like very much either. They have a great match and then it's like, oh, let's do it again. Yeah, yeah. So it's never going to be the same. Um, but actually, his two matches with Shaw Michaels, two matches Triple H, both quite good. I, I quite yeah, like that. Really I good. They were really good. And and yeah, so for me, he would be the man of the next sort of 10 years. Um, and in contrast to my next sort of um, annoyance, which I never used to be annoyed at, but um, <laughs> I having watched the later ones onwards and going back to someone walking in and going, Oh, what Kane? <laughs> I used to like this guy and you know, no word of a lie. I really, really liked him. Love the whole angle of the undertaker. But for me, I mean, you know, on this website, 17, he's the third most appearances at WrestleMania 17. Hmm. I mean, I'd be surprised if most people can name six. Because most people are going, well, the Undertaker, he, he faced him twice. So people yeah. get two for nothing, right? It's 17 matches. Yeah, Joe, I've struggled <laughs> I mean, And he was just being wheeled out for, like, filling gaps. So then, mm. to me, when I'm watching it, you're going, this guy's sort of considered as a, oh, he's the big red machine. But he's not much of a machine because he's getting <laughs> put in matches against... No much. I mean, it says here his record is 8-8-1. So, you know, he's not much of a machine. Um, but again, okay, maybe he did like to lose, but then how they sold him. And then I said, by the end of it, he's just being wheeled out. And then I think right at the end, it's like with the big show as well. They're both getting wheeled out. Um, and actually, it's sort of quite irritating. Um, uh, we also, obviously, by searching this, as we know, we found out a little fact that he's Spanish. As well, oh, yeah, which is a nice little, that. yeah, nice little in anomaly. Spain, that I'm, yeah. so that, that's that's my fact I want to add to this podcast. Kane uh, <laughs> is Spanish, um, but yeah, so he's a bit of an anomaly. Um, and say, but in contrast to his uh brother, shall we say, yes. who I've just finished watching episode one of The Last Riot, um, on WWE Network, and you get to the end, it's actually. There's another, like, however many, I don't know. I think, I think there's five. Of yeah, series of five. five. Yeah. I mean, I'm at the end of the first one. I'm sort of nearly in tears a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely, I wanted to watch uh, it before we spoke, but I didn't get a chance to that, unfortunately. Yeah, so it actually finishes in the, uh, or, or the Orlando Mania. Right, um, okay. Which he rang up Vince three days before to say, I want to be on. Um, apparently. So it was oh, all very uh, short notice. Oh, it was really? all very short. Was that, I understand. The, was yeah. that the New Orleans WrestleMania? Or was it, are you talking about the Reigns match or the Cena match? The Reigns match. Hmm, because they did promote that. I'll, yeah, I, need, I, I need to see how they, how they put I think that across. I think that's what it said. Maybe I'm not hmm. you know, correct wrong, but um, probably wrong now. But, uh, but ultimately, I mean, the guy is, 
a mess. I mean, yeah. he's absolutely battered and bruised. But it's a great insight into behind the scenes, into the respect he's got, and what people think of him. And you know, everyone he speaks to, you can tell has probably had a good beating from him as yeah. well. Um, just, just really, just really good and really interested, and completely justifies me choosing him as a uh, Mister Twenty One to Thirty. Um, yeah, I, I am. Um... I I was sit, sitting here thinking while you're talking about him him and Michaels, and I think those are, those are the they're, they're clearly the two two choices. I think it's a really tough one, and I think probably Undertaker probably edges it for longevity. But the Michaels match, I mean, Michaels was incredible in the first run of his career. But I thought the se- I thought the second half, Shawn Michaels was just phenomenal. I remember feeling towards the end of his career that I was a bit gutted that he. I remember we were stuck in a tag team with Triple H for a while, um, and I was just like, I just want to see, I want to see Michael's singles matches because they're so bloody good. Like, and I know that we're, you know, there's more in the past than there will be in the future. Um, his matches with the, with, with the Undertaker were great, especially WrestleMania 25. The kick out of the Tombstone was like an out of body, out of body experience in in, yeah. uh, in the Reliance Stadium. Um, Undertaker, you've got to give props that late in his career he had the he had the the drive and the determination to to pull out classic matches and I remember actually thinking about it in terms of the streak ending I think back then most people thought it would never end um, I think most people thought that they would, yeah. he, he would retire I think that the Lesnar thing was the problem with the Lesnar match and I'm sure they probably go over this in the documentary or they will do is that he got KO'd right at the start and he yeah, physically so he was on the it. yeah he physically was on the way down at that point as well um, so he says that he still to this day he remembers till 3.30pm on that day Wow. And doesn't remember till the next day. So he still doesn't know anything that happened on that day. Has Which he watched you, it? Yeah, he's watched it. And when yeah. you and when you see it, you're like then you realise, wow, so he doesn't I mean, obviously he, he now can't remember even doing these things. Mm. So it's actually, you know, I think it takes three finishes to to knock him down. So yeah, it's uh yeah, I mean he's just you just got massive respect for this guy and fully deserved um and i still have respect for him as we move into 31 to 36 and he's yep. late to antics um but i'll tell you one thing having watched that documentary i can see why he needed to do a boneyard match which was probably filmed and takes were taken yeah, um, yeah. again excuse the pun um because as I said, his body's just shattered. I mean, from 31 to 36, I, 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 I sort of struggled near the end. Um, I think what got it for me through is a bit like when you're doing a long distance race and you're like, I'm, I'm near the end. Mm. Um, I'm buzzing for being near the end. So I was sort of motivated to watch. But them going up to five hours, yeah, unnecessary. Um, they actually just get filled with promos. You then just have matches with like two people with no story. So it's just like a normal day at the office, um, which is not what it's about, really. No, shove everyone um, on there. And that's not what WrestleMania should be. WrestleMania should be eight matches, tops. And it should yeah. be built up, built up, built up. And it's no one's divine right. And if you're not on WrestleMania, you know, do something do something between now and the following years WrestleMania to get yourself on WrestleMania yeah. and take some responsibility for your character. I had a debate on Twitter, debating in inverted commas with a guy that, that works at TalkSport about Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins' interview is moaning about um, 
the Bray Wyatt feud and all this sort of stuff, and it killed him as a baby face, blah, blah, moan, 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 moan. He's a top-line main event in WWE. These guys have got options. Stand up for yourself and don't moan about it as a sheep afterwards. And I think this, this is the thing. Like, I just think these guys need to, as, as a general rule of thumb, these people need to stand up for themselves and their characters because you can't let yourself be in a, Hogan didn't let himself, Rock didn't let himself, Austin no. didn't let himself. And you, if you, you've got to have a, have a bit of, bit of guts and a bit of belief in your own ability. And also if you if they tell you to do something ridiculous, don't do it. Because ultimately if you forget coronavirus situation, put that to one side, people like um, John Moxie have come out of it. The revival have just come out of it and now get a deal with AEW work, new Japan and all these guys, once they're out of WWE, look at Chris Jericho. He's having the time of his life working with these young guys. Just, just don't, don't put up with it. But anyway, sorry, we digress uh, back to, <laughs> back to the final. The, the, the tough thing as well, I, I tell you what Dan as well, the tough thing for these last WrestleMania is, is after you get to wrestle, after you've got WrestleMania 30 out of the way, the best one of the bunch is the first one. 31 is one of the best shows I've ever done. Uh, and then yeah. it's just downhill after that. Yeah. And yeah, and you could tell. And, and you know, they're bringing, like, they're, they're bringing, like, for me, what, what stands out, one thing that has stood out to me is Shane McMahon coming back. Mm. Um, I'm a bit like, I think by the mismatch, um, I was a bit like, Sorry, he's back again. Yeah. Okay. Like he was always previously to me, he was in matches by exception. He wasn't a wrestler. It was to do with business or family. Um, and I think I always remember, you know, him, his few of like expat and stuff. It, it was done as a, yeah. And that, and that would be the level he would fight. He would, you know, he'd fight someone like a, like a lightweight, um, Lightweight. Don't get me wrong. He does, you know, the coast to coast thing is, is pretty impressive. Um, mm. But I just thought, why are you turning up? Uh, like, why are you here? And I assume purely ratings. He's then risking his, you know, he, all his matches are, and probably because he's not a wrestler, no holds barred or whatever it may be. So he has to, you know, do stuff to try and make it. And don't get me wrong, I don't mind them. I, I can easily watch them. But, you know, when you're just like, you're clutching at straws. I yeah. mean, I mean, Something that stood that stood out for me was the the, the phrase WrestleMania moment. <laughs> yes. It never existed. Um, and now I can't remember which one in particular it was. The one that was hosted by um, Alexa Bliss. Oh, 35. Yeah. 35. Yeah. Every other word was WrestleMania moment um, to the point where there's one bit where she just went, right, look, I can make a WrestleMania moment. Click her fingers. Hulk Hogan just coming out is yeah. not a WrestleMania moment. You know, the WrestleMania moment is something happening. It's not just someone turning up and waving. Yes. Um, and they just kept using that sentence. And it was mind-numbing and very, like, quite horrible to watch. And That's actually, because, like, uh... if someone tells you it's a WrestleMania yeah. moment, it ain't. Do, do, you know, do you know one that really made me laugh? Because because it's like WWE, it's not. It's almost like it's not. In, it's not humans in charge of this because they none of no one in WWE speaks like a normal human does. And the one yeah. that really got me was the the the, the tagline for WrestleMania 33 because it was in Orlando. Was that a theme? And I love the set of WrestleMania 33, the theme park. But the, the, the tagline was the ultimate thrill ride. And they managed to get The Undertaker to say the ultimate thrill ride in a promo about Roman Reigns. It's like, <laughs> The Undertaker would not say yeah, the, yeah. the ultimate thrill ride. No way. But yeah, it's just, you're right. WWE Universe, 
WrestleMania yeah. moment. There's all sorts of things. They've got a list of things they're not allowed to say. So they're not allowed to say non-title match now. They can't say belt as well. Okay. Um, they're not allowed to mention, you can't mention coronavirus, whatever you do. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just not, unfortunately Vince is just so out of touch now and it just needs a complete creative shakeup. And I think you've got the, these WrestleManias at the end, each of them have got, perhaps not, so, WrestleMania 32 was particularly poor and they had a lot of injury problems going into that. And they, I think the only thing that was stood out from memory was the women's match. The other ones have all got a something decent within them, but largely the cards are fairly, apart from WrestleMania 36, I don't even really count. But yeah, they're tough, they're tough, tough, long watches. Five hours of mediocre wrestling is not easy to get through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, actually, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking for positives. There's some, there's some good talent in there. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, I would say if I had to pick a wrestler that's impressed me most from 31 to 36, and number four in this little club I've got, it would be probably AJ Styles. Yep. Um, very impressed with him. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got he's got a lot of potential. And I mean, as you know from the last time I was on, I watch AEW on a weekly basis. And he's certainly someone that I think would fit in with what they're doing. Um, I actually think people like Strowman and, and uh, Wyatt are okay, but you know Wyatt's going along this very strange path. Um, which... I mean that that match. Did you watch him and Braun Strowman today? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, oh, horrendous! Thing, yeah. So Bray Wyatt yeah. just used. I mean, if he just was a wrestler, he's not bad in ring when he just is a wrestler. Yeah. But this stuff is he just so. Funny. He's just like like the, the the things in the ring of him and Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33. It's like he's responsible for some of the worst world title matches in history. And it's just like, yeah. why does anyone think this this is just like it's just so silly? Like, I don't want to see glove puppets. I don't want to see bugs in the ring, projects yeah. in the ring. Again, um, it's making it soap opera and it's or you know film or a TV show or yeah. whatever. That's not what I, it's about. I think you're right about AJ. I think he's just signed a. He's 42 now, Styles. He's 43 next month. I think he's just signed another contract with WWE. So I would doubt, sadly, that we'll get him. But he, he would. I mean, he's. Um, well, I, sh- I would say he's pals with with Kenny Omega. So I've got no idea what his relationship is. But he worked with him in New Japan. So you'd, you'd think yeah. there was there, there's some good contacts. And and the Bucks were obviously in Bullet Club together. Um, yeah, yeah I don't tell. think we'll you get him tell. out. Yeah, uh, you can tell and and say that you know there is there is. There is good talent, so that's what I mean. They, they, from what I've seen from from AW, so I, you know, I started watching that, and I didn't know anyone mm. uh, really. I knew Jericho, but I didn't really know anyone. I, I got a bit of background from myself, and I've now got ones I like and, and who I didn't even know. Right? These, and I like them because I was watching that. I'm watching them, and I think that the, the matches are good. They're good mm. quality, and. I think these guys doing uh you know on the roster moment of good quality, but they're they're doing themed matches or they're doing you know jokes or it's just not it's not it's not working really, and it's a yeah. shame because you know and as I said, thirty six don't really count. I mean, although I see the Undertaker's record is now twenty five and two, and I was going to ask, does that twenty five then mean he's including? A win at the Boneyard match? <laughs> I suspect so, yeah. I guess that, so, I guess that must be, yeah. You say it doesn't count, but, you know, it counted for him, so... <laughs> you know, I wonder he, if you could have bet on that. I bet you could have done, wouldn't you? So, I bet you could have, in the UK bookmakers, you've been able to bet on... Yeah, probably. Oh, no, 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 Joe, you know what, actually, I've just remembered, you couldn't bet on WrestleMania because it's pre-recorded. So, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I've just, I've just answered my own question there. But, yeah, it's... um. 
WWE have got a lot of problems, and I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what the answer is with five hours of television, but it's reflected yeah. in these. It's reflected in these characters and these matches not hitting the mark. Um, just going back to something you said about Triple H, I think Triple H is probably known more for his misses at WrestleMania than his hits because he has had a lot of stinkers at WrestleManias in in key moments. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I mean, I think you like the Batista match quite a bit more than me, but I remember not liking that very much in the in the stadium that night in in New Jersey last year. Yeah, I mean Batista and and Orton are put in the same bracket as sort of the next level below below um, the sort of ones we've been discussing earlier, mm. um, which is a shame, I think, because I do think that that is too too wasted talents. They could easily be considered in the bracket of them for me. They had. They were able to sort of, I think, I think Batista was hit of injury quite a lot, but you know, I always thought when I was watching, oh, these guys are gonna, these are gonna st- step up and be the next, mm. take this forward. And now you're watching Orton in matches, uh, meaningless matches. Um, you know, I, I saw, you know, I watched Money, but he wasn't on the card last night, but he's on Raw tomorrow. Oh, really? Tonight, okay. So. So I guess he's not been back since WrestleMania with a match of edge, is he? Which I couldn't sit through. Yeah. So it's, you know, they didn't really step up, um, which is a shame, but that happens. I mean, the only other sort of key observation um, that that I I made was the introduction of the ladder match or TLC Mm. at WrestleMania. Brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Some absolute, that, that got more people involved in WrestleMania. Mm. which is what we were discussing earlier, you need to earn your right. But I do think that their matches, a lot of the wrestlers in them went in as, why you? Why do you deserve this? And left it as, okay, you, you really you really impressed. It gave, I think it gave the people an opportunity to show how good they are. Whereas a battle royale over the top ropes, when there's 30 of you in there, yeah. that is just an excuse to get you on the card. Um, and what you meant to show, you can't show anything in them. Um but obviously, like anything, and it's not just WWE that are bad for this, it's in all walks of life, they get a good thing in the money in the bank or the ladder match, da, 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 and then they just make a whole pay-per-view just yeah. on it. Therefore, there can't be any others during the course of the year, yeah. uh, really. So, But that at WrestleMania, for, for quite a few, that was, um, you had the main event, and then the mid-card match was the money in the bank or the ladder match. Um, whether it be for a particular belt, that was uh, to me split the show up, yeah, um, for a while, and then it just stopped because obviously it got moved to its own event. Um, I just think that had that added a thing, so that's a bit of a shame, really. Um, no, I agree. I think that was a big loss when um, I know they did, they did it in '31 for the IC title, didn't they? And uh, maybe that's something they could do going forward. But with Money in the Bank in, in it was May this year, this year, wasn't it? It's usually in June. I don't know why it was May this year, but um. Yeah, they're a bit close, actually. But I'm sure there must be another format or something they can do there. But the Money in the Bank pay-per-view has traditionally been quite successful for them because the, because the gimmick is one that people like. And it is important. Yeah. It's an important show as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think... Who knows if WrestleMania will happen as, as planned in Los, in Los Angeles. I think probably the money is probably not at the moment next year. But we'll, we'll see. That does seem like quite a long time away. What, 10, 10 months or so. So... But yeah, it's um, it's interesting how sort of WrestleMania has evolved over time. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it needs to go back to some of its roots, and I think you know four and a half hours or four hours is, is long enough for any wrestling show, really. Yeah, I mean, I think like say obviously it's Mania, so make it longer. But you know, yesterday's okay. 
as as I point out, maybe not the maybe not the greatest pay per view money in the bank, but I think it was two and a half hours. Yep. Um. So, okay, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't for, it wasn't ages. And actually, they put every match. I think bar one had some ink on it. So, you know, you only had one. Our uh, truth. Uh, Bobby Lashley's MVP little little gap in the middle, but other than that, it was everything meant something. Everyone yeah. I think so, they've decided that the empty arena stuff they don't they don't like it going so long. I think that's why they separated WrestleMania over two nights rather than having like a five or six hour show, which is interesting because Raw's three hours every week, so obviously they can't do anything about that because that's what their TV yeah. contract dictates. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I just yeah, wrestling is an interesting spot at the moment with everything going on. Um, and it's just, yeah, I, d- I don't know. Obviously, the rules in America are a bit different to here, and I suspect there'll probably be a, sh- a show somewhere with something of a crowd at some point because I think the governors of various states will want the money from it, frankly. Yeah. Um, but how long it takes before people are comfortable to be going and sitting in an arena next to somebody when there's not a vaccine, who knows, really? Um, and I think we're, we're potentially a long, a long way away from that. But what a depressing way to end has <laughs> largely been. I mean, to be fair, WrestleMania on the whole, um, you don't oh, yeah. usually get a completely bad show. I think most WrestleManias have got something that is pretty memorable. Even some of the ones in the mid-90s, which weren't so, weren't so strong. But most, most of the shows have got a memorable moment. It's just a shame, really, that Drew McIntyre winning the title was was, was in front of nobody. Because I think, actually, that match... And he's quite good, I think. And I think it's just a real shame for him that their new sort of top star is having to try and lead the company with no one no one watching him in the arena which is which is tough but hopefully that he'll that they won't have given up on him before um before crowds can, and the such like can come yeah, back so I, mean, I i enjoyed i enjoyed my challenge i mean as i said it, it it got a little bit hard difficult at the end but obviously sitting down here with you for an hour or so uh going back through the ones that actually were good has uh made me a bit more fond of it again but um yeah, it's just what what next? <laughs> what next? But that's that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. What, once I finish these matches, for, I think I'm gonna. I think NWA Power is gonna watch next because that's weekly. I think it's an hour, and I think there might be twelve or so episodes. So I'm gonna try and watch that in a in a slightly yeah. slightly I've, less detailed time. On, uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, uh, I know you've been watching a few, few bits and pieces of that so far. I mean, what you what do you yeah, think? Of it? It's. I actually think it. I, I actually quite like it. I can tell that that's where sort of. A lot of the AEW stars have been. Mm. Um, it's got that more. I mean, look, it's it is what it is. It's it's quite humorous. Um, do you know what? It it it's sort of closer to AEW slash Mid South than WWE. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Um, do you know what they do? Things like they mention other brands exist. Um, you know, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley's on it. They mention him and Devon. You know, they, it's not like, you know, they mention the Young Bucks, or, you know, elsewhere. And mm. it's not like the world is just centred around their promotion. Uh, going back to realism, you know, if someone, I have found if someone gets hit with a chair or something, it looks like it actually does do damage and they're staying down. Okay, um, interesting, yeah. Uh, and their interaction with the fans is very different. The downside is there's not a lot of people there, and they do have some matches where I might be quite enjoying it, but the crowd are dead, yeah. and you can hear the wrestlers talking to each other, and it must be quite demoralising. Um, but I, I quite like it. But again, I think it's 50 minutes a week. Um, they're 
the pay-per-views I think are over two days generally um but at the moment that all they're doing is they've stopped filming yeah and they are just doing uh they pick a that's like a wrestler each week and they just show his best bits oh, okay interesting so, so that's what they've done good. to fill time yeah yeah, yeah yeah and actually given i've just sort of been putting it on you know we've got the working from home at the moment i've just been putting it on in the background actually i've been sort of learning a little bit about their key their key uh key members of their roster so you know we'll see it's not something i'll you know uh it's just time for more than anything, but yeah. AW is what's got me back watching. I keep watching. It was nice to, it was nice to reminisce through the old WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, well, so let's, and, let's, and I, and I guess, and I guess now, and I guess now I'm sort of obliged to continue it 37 onwards. Um, <laughs> you can't stop uh, now. That's the no, thing. But it's only one a year if I, if I fall out of complete love. So I'm sure I can manage that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, before all this stuff, I, I, if someone says to me you can go to WrestleMania every year, I would go. But it's, but it, because it's such a fun thing being in the place where it's on, because there's lots of other events and stuff. Uh, but WrestleMania last time I went was the, was the lowest point of the whole weekend. But actually, generally speaking, if they they, they usually it's usually worth a watch. Um, so yeah, let's hope let's hope the world's return to some normality and WrestleMania in, in that new building in Los Angeles happens next year. So now we're moving on for some more reminiscing, some classic wrestling. Yeah. Um, so Mid-South Wrestling episode 248 on YouTube, which is June the 10th, 1984. Um, so this is the second, your second... I've, I know actually you've watched a few episodes of Mid-South actually, haven't you, I think? Watched a few now, yeah. yeah. So I come and talk about one on here, but yeah, I've watched a few. But I mean, for me, I mainly keep updated. I listen to the podcast. So I I sort of listen to your your, your musings along with your guests. <laughs> um, so it, it's, I still find it quite entertaining when... So, for example, I watched this one and some buddy Landau's on it and I've made a picture of him in my mind. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, given I think you've previously mentioned that he's a bit of a rip-off of Ric Flair, he looked exactly like I expected him to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, as I said about, sort of, in the past about WrestleManias, the early WrestleManias, simpler times. Um, yes. yeah. And no nonsense, really. Just, you know, wrestling, storyline, next. Wrestling, yep. storyline, next. Um, no advert, you know, not too much advertising and not to, you know, to just get on with it. And it makes it a very easy and quite enjoyable watch. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely it is. Um, at the desk this week are Boyd Pierce wearing his incredible licorice all sorts style suit, uh, which is a 10 out of 10 on the Boyd Pierce fashionometer. Um, and Jim Ross, um, I'm just reading Jim Ross's auto- first autobiography, actually, which um, it's a very interesting story. So I'm literally just up to this point where he becomes. Uh, you know, more of a more of an on-air presence in the last sort of six to twelve months here, which is which is quite interesting. Um, so they run through what's coming up, and they promise us a match between Brad Armstrong and Ted DiBiase, which they'll be able to show us. Plus, um, from from North Carolina, Dr. J Youngblood is here, and he's facing Mr. Wrestling Two. Um, and there's a lot more great matches and specials to show us. Apparently, um, Jim Ross says that auspicious by their absence this week are Hacksaw, Butch Reed, and the Junkyard Dog. And Mid South Wrestling has decided that it's better if they both stay away. Um, so we have a piece from Joel Watts on Butch Reed as he's training for JYD. Um, so we cut to Butch Reed, who slowly and some might say seductively takes off his vest. Would you say seductively, Dan, or was, was it just me that thought that? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I was looking at it in that context, but um, yeah, he. <laughs> I'm not really sure with this one. I mean, it ended with a Beach Boys song. Um, yep. I don't know if you acknowledge that. So I didn't catch that actually. So that's that's a great spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended with the Beach Boys, which, if you have got a promo 
to try and say to someone, watch out, I'm coming for you. Ending with the Beach Boys is not something I would have usually have thought someone would put together. But that stood out for me quite a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, along with his sort of... I'm not sure if I'd have been scared by the end of the, of, of, of the promo. I found it really difficult to hear this for some reason. Did you watch this on the YouTube or net or WWE Network one? YouTube, yeah, yeah. Um, I found it really difficult to hear. I found the JYD one even harder to hear actually later on. But um, so basically, Butch Reed describes himself as some USDA prime beef and does a double bicep pose. Uh, we then see him smashing out some arm curls, some barbell shoulder press. Yeah, I know, all, I know all the you know all the titles. These obviously, I'm an absolute muscle bound machine myself. Um, so then he's wrapping his hands ready to take on a heavy punch bag. Um, Reed himself is commentating over these pictures and he says it's a lie that the two of them are the best black athletes in the world. JYD is living off past glories and he is the best of all. Um, there's some more punching and some more bench press. Um, he calls JYD a lap dog and says that he knows he's been on vacation while Butcher has been staying there working on uh, staying in shape. Uh, what did you think of this uh, promise? You, you don't think you'd have been too worried about mr reed here if you'd been his opponent no i mean i'm just trying to i was actually just trying to um look at the lyrics of the song um (laughs) um to 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 sort of uh give 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 the give the listener more context yeah so it's wouldn't it be nice if we were older then we wouldn't have to wait so long wouldn't oh it was wouldn't it be nice wasn't it the world where we belong um is what it ends with so it's just not really that intimidating. I mean, you just touched upon the Junkyard Dogs one later on. I assume the same person put them together. I know you, yeah. I think they claim they didn't, but they are pretty similar videos. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, they're doing the same things in both, which I thought was quite amusing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, based on their videos, I've been expecting a very even match. <laughs> Which we're never going to see as well. So, because uh, <laughs> it's just the nature, the nature of this. Um, so, in ring, we have a new ring announcer alert. Um, a gentleman by the name of Murray Franks, who has an excellent short blonde mullet, I thought. So, yeah, uh, party at the back and uh, all business up front for Mr. Franks here. Um, and first up, we have Buddy Landell versus Mike Jackson. Um, and Jackson looks like he's starting this one with quite a badly bruised eye. Um, there are some flags in the background here, and I'm, I'm, I, I question whether this was a usual TV arena, but according to cagematch.net, um, it was. Uh, Ross says that while Landell has improved in recent weeks, he hasn't beaten anyone real big or real tough, and he puts over how much of a shadow he is for Butch Reed. Um, Landell rakes Jackson in the eyes, and Ross accuses him of taking every, short he ca- every shortcut he can. Um, he then follows with a body slam and elbow drop for the win in 242, and there wasn't a great deal to this one between Landell and Jackson. Any thoughts on this opening contest and south this week uh murray franks it was my <laughs> fault um, yeah. i mean it was you know bleach blonde which was made stood out even more by the black rim glasses um i think it was a white blazer yep um it just looked like and he just looked like he was so happy to be there yeah i couldn't find uh, anything i looked up this guy i couldn't find any information about him at all so though yeah. actually there was an obituary of someone i think it might have been him <laughs> oh, so okay apologies murray if that if that to murray's family if that was him but yeah i, I don't know you're absolutely right though it was like a it was like a like a fan of someone who won a contest or something and he was in there and it you know it was passable it was fine but it was um yeah it was a slightly odd one i would say in that in that respect next up we have a video package on the junkyard dog also prepared by joel watts jim ross says that jyd's been preparing for the showdown of his career and the battle for his life it cuts to jyd in a field who's topless he says that he calls himself a decent human being. 
and he's not going to stoop to the depths Reed has. We then cut to a package of various in-ring clips and also JYD in a gym and running set to Rockwell's classic, Somebody's Watching Me. Um, it cuts back to JYD, cuts another promo on Reed, which is sadly really tough to hear on this old original video. Um, I like the training sequence here and the use of music. And um, what did you think of this? And do you have any Rockwell in your collection? <laughs> uh, what do I think of it? As I said, very similar to the first one. Uh, but given the soundtrack, maybe a bit more masculine, uh, a bit more bit more scary. Yep. Um, yeah, look, he, I guess I, for me, I actually know I know who he is. Yeah, the briefs obviously spell WWF. So, um, I, I, yeah, I know this guy. I mean, <laughs> he he strikes me as more 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 scary. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I the video packages they were very proud of. Um, yes. Yeah. I, 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 even taken into account, it was in the eighties. I'm still not sure if that was <laughs> this guy's best work. I mean, I think the, the problem with this one was just, the, I mean, I'd be, it'd be interesting to know um, how, if you could hear it when it was first there, but you just couldn't hear him. And I think that was yeah, the was, problem with these. Uh, yeah, done on like a really poor camcorder or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, ex exactly that. Like, like a camcorder mic and he wasn't mic'd up. And I think that was the problem yeah. with, with the background noise. Um, so we've got Bad Bob Owens, who I, I don't know if this is his Mid-South debut, but certainly since I've been watching, versus Sonny King up next. Ross says that Sonny King is not someone to be taking liberties on, and you can see from the scars on his body that that's the case. Um, Ross says King may have an easygoing persona at times, but he's a veteran of ring wars from coast to coast. Um, King hits and decently punched on Owens up against the ropes, um, and then hits a big backdrop followed by a headbutt for a pinfall win in under two minutes. Um, at the bell, Landell is out there, and he's setting in two enhancement talent to try and take out King, but King deposits them quite easily. Um, Landell on the outside is being invited in by King, but Landell wants no part of it, and he waves it off and heads to the back. Uh, what do you think of this, uh, this second short encounter on this South this week? I was very impressed with, with the big guy. Um, he was massive. Mm. Um, pretty impressive him. Like to, uh, so, so the ones I've watched, I haven't really seen any sort of sending in your your faction or whatever it may be called, you know, mm. he's sending them into lambs to, lambs to the slaughter. Um, but I quite like that element. I thought yeah. that was quite good. Um, it made a squash match a little more entertaining. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, I didn't mind that. Uh, so we have the Midnight Express up next versus Mark Reagan and Buddy West. Uh, Reagan had come out a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks to Michael Jackson songs and got quite a good reaction. But again, he's on the kind of enhancement talent side of things here. So um, looks to be on the wrong side of the result again. Um, Cornette grabs the mic from Franks, who he describes as Beaver Cleaver. He says that, I don't know what that reference, that's, that's like an American TV reference, isn't it? I think, I, yeah, I don't know what that means, but there we go. Hopefully it's not something horrifically offensive now we've just repeated it. Um, he says that TV sets are coming on all over the Mid-South area for the only two wrestlers who can kickstart 747. Eight and Condry, our tag team champions, who still do not have matching gear. Ross says that the Rock and Roll Express are the number one contenders and they want the champions in the worst way. Um, Reagan looks good here with first with Condry and then Eaton. Um, West is tagged in and the Midnight Express take over on him. Ross says that he's never seen the Midnight Express look as awesome as they do today. He can't stand what Cornette does, but he does have some. He does have an excellent tag team machine here. Um, and the Midnight Express debut a new finisher here with Eaton hitting a running clothesline from the corner uh, while Condry does a kind of tripping tackle to the back of the legs, which looked quite good uh, for the win in 234. So what did you think about this Midnight Express uh, versus Reagan and Western counter here? Yeah, so the thing, is this the tag team you sort of get very agitated that don't wear the same 
yes outfit they come in in the same jackets is, oh uh, did they did they come what? in the same jackets here? Yeah, they both had the same coats on. Okay. So I wanted that pointed out straight away. I missed um, that, actually. I was, I was too uh, frustrated right. with their, their trunks. So, yeah, so I don't know. They come out in the same jacket. Uh, so maybe they've, maybe they've heard your advice all them years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. back, back to the future. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, for the, for the new finisher, I've named it Schoolboy Trip because um, he sort of stands behind him, you know, when you sort of say to someone, yeah. someone he makes runs behind him and he pushes him over. Uh, so it was sort of a glor- glorified schoolboy trip. But um, I like I like it when the tag teams do, you know, moves where they both get involved. Um, that's actually quite a big thing in AEW, the tag team division. So, yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm not, when I watched WWE growing up, tag team was sort of seen as a, yeah, get, get yeah, it's there, but it's not, you know, maybe match some big stars together. You had you had some good tag teams, but it was never the focus, whereas AEW is. And and actually, when I see the crowd reactions, clearly tag team wrestling in Mid-South is big. Yes, absolutely. Um, yep. So that's quite, I find that quite interesting uh, in regards to how different that is to, to WWE. Um, yeah, it, it was good to, it was good to watch. I, a couple of things st- uh, stood out, um, but mainly being, I I think you mentioned one of the podcasts listen before that about the the audience being uh, mainly female, particularly in the first Not few girls rows. There. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which over this match and I think the next two, I really, really noticed. Um, which in your own time, I've just seen that you can probably link what Beaver Cleaver means to the uh, to to the audience. Um, uh, maybe you may have you inadvertently used uh, <laughs> something that. <laughs> Uh, a, a, a slang term for maybe uh, something that the audience have that we don't. Um. Oh, really? Okay, wow. Fantastic. Well, so, I, yeah. so that's ultimately what he was calling him. Uh, <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, we were, it, was, it was quoting. So, you know, I think, I think if you're quoting, it's all okay, isn't it? That's the, but, that's, yeah. the, that's the rule you're on now, isn't it? Yeah, so. Yeah, um, but they got, the, they, got the, they got the crowd going. Um, and actually, I was looking forward to seeing them. And so it's good, good tactic. Yeah, the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express as well are, um, you know, really, really strong. And, and I think they, it's interesting, actually, because a lot, a lot of these, um, these Meltzer matches, especially the All Japan Women stuff that I'm watching from the early 90s, you watch it and it's incredible. And then you realize, and you have to almost take a step back and realize that you're watching wrestling from 1993 with, with in, in that case, women that are just as good as yeah. you know, Will Ospreay versus whoever you can possibly pick out now. And, and these tag teams are the same. If, if, these, if these guys were around in their prime today, they could walk on to AEW and they would adapt to some, you know, some of the things, some of the tropes stuff that work now and they would adapt um, and they, they would be just as great as they were then. Um, and, and, that, and that thing that the Rock and Roll Express had where the women wanted to be with them and the guys wanted to be them is such an important thing for a babyface and they had that in abundance. Um, yeah. So next up is Mr. Wrestling 2, which is the future Hercules in this instance, versus Jay Youngblood. I mean, it's Jay Youngblood's debut on Mid-South Wrestling, but Ross says that most wrestling fans will know him, and he's a former NWA World Tag Team Champion with Ricky Steamboat. Um, Ross says that Terry Taylor and Hacksaw Jim Duggan will be there next week. Um, and Pierce reiterates that Youngblood is a main eventer everywhere, but particularly in the Mid-Atlantic area. And um, this is a slightly odd matchup here with two named individuals um, who you think would be being pushed. Um, Mr. Wrestling 2 hits a big vertical suplex on uh, Youngblood, but he makes it out. Uh, two, there's a long bear hug spot, which Youngblood eventually chops his way out of and follows up with a big hip toss. Um, but then Mr. Wrestling 2 is right back on top uh, and back into that bear hug. 
Ross says that still to come in the hour are the Rock and Roll Express, a special look at Magnum TA and Armstrong versus DiBiase match. Um, and he says it's easy to see why over a million people every week watch Mid-South Wrestling. Um, young blood makes it out of the bear hug at long last, but Wrestling 2 catches him in the corner and pins him at 6.01 with his feet on the rope. On the, on the ropes. Um, this is a bit hit and miss for me uh, with two long bear hug spots and a little bit on the dull side. Um, I can understand why they did the finish they did, but it didn't do much for the debuting uh, young blood. Uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, the bear hug, certainly. The bear hug killed it. Yeah. Um, too long. Um, and it's a shame because uh, going back to the women in the crowd, they love this Jay Youngblood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were screaming for him. Um, but the bear hug, yeah, just killed it. And it's a shame, really, because I think it could have he's clearly obviously they hyped him up and then the majority of the match is spent giving the other other wrestler a cuddle um yeah i I thought the one million viewers a week is interesting um i actually thought that's a great stat really given i know there's the the ratings wars on and particularly the wednesday night ones at the moment with either aw or or nxt getting over a million viewers so i don't know how legit that was but yeah, oh, so I that's actually what I was going to yeah. ask you. Yeah. I was just about to ask. I'm not sure how they can, how they used to calculate that. Um, but the, but you know that they did because I guess you, you always hear about, you know, most watched event was you know 66 World World Cup final in England or, uh, you know, the weddings or whatever it may be. So there was a way of doing it. I think they did it the way they do. It sounds a big yeah. number. Um, I would expect, but brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's a testament to to it. But it'd be interesting to know, maybe you know, when you've got one of the sort of in the future one of your guests that sort of lived it at the time, mm. whether you know, maybe something for them to sort of know if that if they can back that up. But whether they know, yeah, that's probably true or not. Because again, it just stood out to me, given I'm I'm always seeing every week people posting about you know, AEW versus NXT and neither have got over a million yet So since they've been competing. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, I, I would suspect the ratings would probably be done in a more manual way than they are now. Where a, a tiny percentage of people will either be posting in maybe their, what they were watching, yeah. um, whereas rather now it's, it's more electronic. But um, yeah, I've got no idea whether... I mean, TV was obviously very different back then and there were less choices. Though, though around this time, people did have... Uh, more people had cable TV, so they did have more choices. But yeah, I just did a quick, quick search. I can't find anything about it, but I will. I will have a look into that. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if these did in their in their big markets, whether these did strong percentages for their markets around, um, you know, around their big cities, sort of New Orleans, Oklahoma, etc. Um, because it was pop, it was very popular, and they did they did great arena business, etc. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all that um, you know this stuff was this stuff was was considered strong back then. Um, so we are back in to the ring and we have Barry Alton, the uncle of Randy, and Pat Rose um, before the familiar music of the Rock and Roll Express hits. Um, and just in case you haven't seen on Twitter, in two weeks, Ricky Morton will be here to review episode 250 Mid-South Wrestling. And it's not too late to get your questions in for him. I know, Dan, you've got many questions already, uh, which we're going to get, we'll have using on air. And um, please tweet <laughs> me at midmoments with the hashtag AskRicky and I'll get as many of those answers as possible. So it's a big coup. I'm very, looking, very much looking forward to that. And he, will, he is in action on the show that we're reviewing in a six-man tag along with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So really looking forward to interviewing him in a couple of weeks' time. And that will be airing towards the back end of May. So keep an ear out for that. 
Um, so these guys get a great reaction as normal. Ross says that he thinks that the fans are very lucky because earlier in the hour they got the Midnight Express and now the Rock and Roll Express, and he considers them both in 1984 to be the best tag teams in the world. Again, this is this is something Ross does on AW. Um, he's so good at putting over what you're watching as being really important. And I think that's such a key. In fact, what do you think of, of, of this sort of version of Jim Ross? Obviously, you're, you're hearing a lot of him towards the back end of his career. And this is, this is early Jim yeah. Ross, probably not quite in his prime yet, but already really, really good. Yeah, I, what stands out is his knowledge. He's so knowledgeable. Um, he's sort of uh, commentating and teaching at the same time. Yeah. Um, and he's really keeping the storylines going, which later on... he you know, in, in WWE and now AEW. He doesn't really need to do as much because the promos, even though they've got promos here, you know, he, he really keeps these going. Um, he, he lets you know where people are. He keeps you very informed. Yeah. Um, which, again, thinking about it now, looking back, that is where you got your information from, your weekly show. Now, as you say, you, you touched upon it earlier about the Goldberg-Lesnar match. Everyone knew because yeah. you got social media, your internet, everything like that. You, you would have tuned in and whatever he said would be what you knew probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he probably had to be different, but actually he does it in a good, like really interesting way. It's not like a newsreader or anything. Oh, like yeah. That. yeah. And, and, and you learn a lot. Um, and what I have found um, since seeing Mid-South and listening to podcasts and stuff is he actually often in AEW uh, refers to older wrestlers. Yeah. And quite a lot of them are Mid-South base story he'll refer to certain moves that I'm like ah that's what he's talking about and he look he may not be as good as he once was um he's certainly got his flaws now but you can he, he he's the best at, he's probably the best best you know wrestling commentator I'd say ever so he and this is where he learned his trade I would, I would, yeah. I would suspect so, yeah oh yeah absolutely this is this is his first this is his first on-air role as commentator in yeah. South. and I, I, I really enjoy listening yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really listen to him. Yeah, I think it's good. It's funny that the matches, there's, there's quite a few five star matches from it's sort of NWA slash WCW. Um, it was kind of a murky time where was, the company was sort of known as both things. But he, his, his commentary of the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat matches in 89, also the Sting, um, Sting Ric Flair match from 88, and also the Terry Funk match in 89. The presentation of this, these NWA. Uh, world title matches it's just a completely different level you're talking about 80 89 it feels like you're about to watch Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lewis something it's so it feels so big and Jim Ross is just incredible I can't recommend those matches highly enough because it's just like it, I just imagine that if we if we were like our age now or a bit younger living in that part of America we'd have been all over the NWA and watching Ric Flair as champion all that sort of stuff Ricky Steamboat and Terry Funk all these people and I don't think we'd well I think we'd have probably touched base with WWF especially the Savage Feud and things like that but this is this is the real wrestling company at the time like it was just yeah. that stuff was so good and Jim Ross was such a massive part of that and um, I thought that Barry Orton here in this one is wearing trunks that they look, because they're a bit sheer in the bottom half, they look like they're cut off sort of bottom half because it was a little bit disconcerting. I don't know if you noticed that at all. He's got sort of red on the top and he's got very sheer colour from like the waist down. Did you know, I noticed did you... that a bit. That yeah. The that stood out for me was the phrase, Pat Rose, a powerful young man. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those that haven't seen it, Pat Rose looks at least 45. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he said that and I was a bit... Uh, yeah, amused. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, Ross would have been younger again, than him, then, yeah. Yes, but against 
the Rock and Roll Express, who are clearly, you know, glamour personified back then. Yes. I think anyone would have looked old, really, to be honest. I mean, yeah, definitely. These guys, these guys just look the part, right? They just look. Oh yeah, I, I guess for me, a question. I actually had a question for you, for you here, not for not for them. Um, is actually, did them and the Midnight Express have they fought yet? While you've been watching, yeah, they have. So they've had, um, I think they've had three matches on television, and the titles have flipped between the two. So right, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, two episodes ago, they had a no disqualification match for the titles. Rock and Roll were champions. Um, and basically Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express manager, um, used like a, um, a thing on a towel, like ether or something to make Robert Gibson pass out. And that's how they, how the titles went right, back yeah. to Midnight Express. But around this time, they would, they would be, they would have done a lot of arena matches that would have been a lot longer. So all these matches on TV are like seven minutes. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, um, it's obviously a bit of a different, different promotion the way they, the way they do this stuff. Um, so Rock and Roll Express look great here as usual, well on top. Um, and eventually, um, after Ricky's beaten down for a little while, he, he fights back with an atomic drop on Orton before Gibson comes back into the comeback. Morton is in there and, and he wins with a sunset flip in 355. Um, I thought it was a nice little match between the four of these. Um, well, actually, uh, Rose and Orton got quite a bit of offense in actually, which is, which, is, uh, which is unusual, I suppose, but it does make it more of a back and forth match, which I enjoy. And what did you think of this one? Yeah, I was actually... Um, I've not stole your notes, but I was going to say that it was quite good to see that, you know, I thought oh, it's just going to be one of them rollover matches, you know, job done. But actually yeah. they did, they did, they did get on top at times and, and showed that, you know, like, uh, like Randy Orton's uncle and stuff, obviously got a wrestling background. I suspect is, I suspect when he, you know, he signed up, he's, he's, He's not going to go, oh, I'm just going to roll over for people. You know, if you've got a bit of wrestling heritage, you're not going to go and be a sort of joke act, I want to suspect. So it was good to see, good to see an actual match um, rather than just them turn up and, you know, flaunt, 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 their, flaunt their skills, impress everyone, but really not have to get out of second gear. I'm not saying they, you know, they were in fifth gear, but, you know, they, they certainly had to, to work for it. And, and yeah, as a result, yeah. the match was actually quite good. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think actually there's a, there's a lot to be said for these for these matches where they do do. Actually, generally speaking, the babyface matches that are against inverted commas enhancement talent, the, the heels get more offense in than it's when it's a heel star versus a babyface enhancement talent. I would say, and I think that that probably makes sense because you want the heels to look, you know, more impressive somewhat, but then the babyfaces can do their comebacks and stuff. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, so back at the desk after the break, Ross throws from match that took place at the Myriad Centre on May 27th, 84 in Oklahoma City. Um, what's his narrating? Um, and Ross warns us that there's a lot of crowd noise. And by that, I think he actually meant you couldn't hear what Watts was saying at all. So yeah, completely, completely no, no understanding of what he was saying. Um, this is clips of extended highlights rather than a portion of the match from start to finish. Um, both men look great in the clips that they show, but this is a bit of an odd one. Um, with DiBiossi only having appeared in a tapes interview um, since I've been watching, and Armstrong not at all. And um, Armstrong actually later appears on television in December '84. Um, this finishes with Ted DiBiossi striking Armstrong with a loaded glove before making the pin. Um, and actually, interestingly, um, DiBiossi ended up as being the next challenger for Magnum TA's North American title, which is the top title in Mid South. Um, what we don't see on these episodes is. In the, in the breaks, there are local promos for local events. So that isn't part of the body of the, of the show. So that depends if you live in 
Tulsa, you'll get a different local promo for your local event than you would do in Oklahoma and Louisiana, etc. So the big next map, big next event was um, June 16th at the Superdome, which is just after this. So presumably on the show, if you were living in the area that could realistically travel to the Superdome, you've got promos of Magnum and DiBiase building this up. But that is something you don't get on, you know, any version. These aren't, these don't. There's a few, one or two that, that exist on, you know, people have recorded them, but there's not too many of those that exist anymore, sadly. Um, so, yeah, they, they, Magnum and DBS fought for the title on June 16th at the Superdome, and they followed up in early July um, with events in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, so I suspect they got similar promos as well. Um, but he actually wouldn't make a return to Mid-South Television until October this year, uh, this year, not October t- 2020, October 1984. <laughs> um, so what did you think of this match? Um, and I'm guessing from you shaking your head that you couldn't hear Bill Watts. I couldn't hear him, which is a real shame because yeah. obviously I hear you talk about Bill Watts uh, a lot in other episodes. So I was intrigued. Um, I, I've just listened to your podcast where he discusses sons a bit more commentary. So uh, I, I didn't mind him that much, actually. Oh, I think the guests the guest disliked him more than I did. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm glad you sort of now you've explained a bit more about because it seemed a bit bizarre. Like, okay, we've gone to seemingly a different location, different camera angle. Yeah. Um, you can. I have to think looking back at some of these. It certainly happened in WrestleMania, and um, I assume you might see with with Mid-South. You, it's another one where I looked at Diviasi and straight away, I could tell. I, Okay, this guy's probably going to go on and become a name. Yeah, he's, you know, bigger, um, well, much bigger. Like, even though he got carrying a bit of timber, more athletic. You know, had something about him, and you could just tell. Um, yeah. And I suspect, you know, you you probably see this see this a lot more. But um, yeah, so I thought I thought that was quite interesting. I, I quite yeah. find it like. Yeah, when you see this at the starts of their career and you can go, ah, oh, I can see why now. Uh, so even though it was a quick match, you know, he stood out. I, you know, I couldn't even tell you what the other guy sort of looked like. Do you see what I mean? Whereas, you know, so, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it, it, was, it was an interesting concept. And it, yeah, and, it, and a very strange as well, you know, oh, we're going to cut off. I'm not, comment, you know, someone else has commentated, different venue, <laughs> um, all of it unheard of nowadays yeah i mean it's an interesting promotional tactic i, th- I think there's a little bit little bit of an element of filling time um there's an element of showing people on occasion and they do this occasionally these matches from the live events which is everything was about this whole promotion the whole way wrestling worked back then in a pre-pay-per-view era was the television show leads people to buying tickets and that's how we make their money they made no money on the tv um, apart from maybe the attendance of the television tapings and they probably do four tapings in one go. So everything was about building feuds, building feuds, the local promos, buy a ticket, and that's how they made their money. Um, and I actually think that from time to time, showing these live events is actually not a bad I think The only thing I would, well, I would suggest to them, obviously I can't, they can't do it now, but I think sometimes the production on these, if you light it up a bit better, show it a bit better, that to me would make me more, you know, it's this big spectacle rather than sometimes you get a kind of um, handheld at ringside and stuff, it doesn't look so good. Um, but yeah, so finally, last segment just, on the episode. Just, just Sorry, on that, am, yeah. am I right in thinking that he won? Did he win with the famous 
now infamous coal miner's glove? Oh, I don't know, because I looked at that and I didn't quite catch, because I couldn't hear what you were saying, but I think it, more, it looked more like a brass knuckles type glove than a oh, right. coal miner's glove. Seen it. So yeah. I, I actually rewound up. They said glove, but I couldn't hear if he said coal miners. I mean, yeah. it, was, it looked to me like a black glove. Oh, maybe it was then. I could be wrong uh, about that. He yeah. pulled out, of, I think, his pants as opposed to the turnbuckle. And I thought yeah. I'd seen the infamous coal miners glove, but <laughs> maybe I've still got to wait for that moment in my life. I'm sure it won't be too, too far away. <laughs> so finally, we get a look at Magnetier um, put together by Bill Watts, set to the Frank Sinatra classic, My Way. Um, so this starts with some clips um, from the origins of Mr. Wrestling 2 Angle. Um, it goes back to them watching match footage and training together and Magnum saving him from various beatdowns. Um, the infamous bag of flowers in there um, when Mr. Wrestling 2 was teaching uh, Magnum TA how to do his uh, devastating knee lift, but Magnum couldn't quite get it. But then Mr. Wrestling 2 managed to split the bag of flour. And it also shows them winning the tag team title of the cage match against uh, Hacksaw Butcher and Jim Nightheart. Um, it shows the lashes that Magnum got from Big Night Express and Cornette. And then when the explosion happened between the once tag team champions, uh, Magnum smashing out some tricep and lap pull downs and him winning the North American title on Mother's Day to a rapturous reaction from the crowd. Um, I thought this was absolutely great. Uh, Ross says that he's a very special person and champion. What did you think of this, uh, this package? So this was set to Frank Sinatra's My Way. Um, and unlike the previous promos, this one started, I was like, what is this? And it was just the most cliche promo. And by the end of it, I, I, was, I was fully on board. I thought, you know, if I was, if I was, a, if I was a lesser man, I may have broke into tears. I mean, it, <laughs> it had the whole building him up. And then just before my way, it had him being beaten up and at his lowest ebb. And then he comes back from adversity and bosh. And then what I did like is it gets to the big finale and then it just cuts. Yes. Just when it would normally sort of get there and give everyone that moment to sort of revel in it, it just ends, cuts to the yeah. next sequence. Um, but I loved it. The song just did it for me. I was just like, it, I was just in fraud. I was, you know, by the end of it, I felt, I felt, yes, he's done it. He's done it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just a very cliche, but... <laughs> Very, uh, finally, a very well put together promo for this episode. Yeah, uh, I believe them this time. Yeah, we've got three three video packages, unusual actually, all in the same one this week. But yeah, I agree. I thought this was really, really great. Um, so Ross says, in two weeks, we'll have the girl wrestlers here, uh, plus a special feature on the winners of the Super Day at the Superdome competition, which they've had almost 2,000 entries for. Uh, but I bet they've enjoyed those 2,000 photos that they've been trawling through. Um, Boyd adds that next week, we have Magnum TA defending the North American title against Killer Khan. Um, who Boyd calls a rugged man. Um, we'll also see Terry Taylor and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, again, this is a little bit of an in-betwixt and between episode, I thought, uh, with the primary focus building the Superdome match, though that wasn't overtly said, uh, but would have been mentioned in the local promos. Um, between, and then obviously, also, I should mention as well, Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Butch Reed, their match was at that Superdome show as well, the same as Magnum TA versus uh, Ted DiBiossi. So, yeah, um, uh, uh, pushing a show, but obviously we only get... A, you know, 75% of the story here without the local promo. So what did you think overall of this, uh, this episode of Mid-South Wrestling? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an episode I got to see to the sort of, I'm told are the best tag teams, but actually on, on evidence, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, you got your, you got your promos in there. Got the, um, I've got the Boyd Pierce suit. Um, <laughs> I've got the sc- screaming women. I, I, 
I, I may have got that may or may not have got the coal miners glove. I could tell it was an in-between episode, yeah. but I thought I got a bit of everything. I even got uh, a talk of the super date, which, you know, you, you discussed earlier on about questions. I have many questions, all very specifically related to the super date um, and the superdome. Um, so <laughs> all very similar questions, um, uh, you know, maybe one which be of them with them 2000 pictures what happened to them 2000 pictures well, and, they, uh, they, they became, they, became they, they specifically said on the episode one of the episodes that they became property of mid-south sports so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they are, what's his desk yeah yeah so they are you know either they are sitting somewhere or someone once had to clear out an office and go what's this 2,000 photos of women. Well, uh, they, when imagine. he sold the company to, uh, to Jim Crockett in 87, <laughs> yeah. he got those photos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, do you know what? I think it, got, uh, it had a bit of everything. So it was a very um, enjoyable episode for me to watch. And, uh, yeah, and, and for me, it adds context to the podcasts as well. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Right. So Dan, where can people find you on uh, Twitter and various social media? Should they want to hear some yeah. stuff about, you know, Fulham? I'm sure there's a you know, massive crossover between Mid-South fans and Fulham FC. So where can they find yeah, you? Yeah. So if in the remote chance that you are into uh, AW, Fulham, Dallas Cowboys, you know, it might be a few Cowboys, Cowboys yeah, fans. Yeah. Out there. That could be my, my link in. Uh, it's at Dan PFFC on Twitter. Great. Thank you very much. And we'll speak to you all again soon. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.